This, this is the Miller Lite Cowboys Out, supported by Albertsons and Omni Hotels and Resorts. Brought to you by Miller Lite, the only beer of the Cowboys. Albertsons and Tom Thumb, the official supermarket and pharmacy of the Dallas Cowboys. And by Geico. 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. Now, your hosts, Danny Sarek and Brad Sham. Welcome, everybody. Thank you very much for being with us. Happy Monday, and welcome to the Cowboys Hour, wherever you are listening on the Dallas Cowboys Radio Network. Excuse me. Uh, Wherever you are watching us, and whenever you are watching us, streamed on DallasCowboys.com. Thank you very much. Uh, Thank you for being with us. Danny, thank you for staying around Part of your long work day. Anything be- for you, Brad. No, and for you, yeah. Cedric Wilson, <laughs> yeah. our special guest this week. Yeah, just so you know, it has nothing to do with me. It's all about <laughs> right. Sed. It's all about right. Sed. Plus, Danny is just devoted to the cause. That's what it yes. is. Yes. We appreciate you, Danny. Yeah, yeah. You we actually, what? You we guys do. are welcome. Actually, we really do. It feels really do. nice to be appreciated and have that recognized. So, thank you. Well, you know, that's that's why we're here. Sed and I are here just so that we can, you know, make your life a little better and more comfortable. And you are. And her, Sed. Fist bump right here through the <laughs> glass and the screen. We have done our done our deal. I'm so happy to have uh, uh, Cedric Wilson with us uh, this evening. Secret weapon for the Cowboys. Tough game yesterday. It's been a tough year, and we won't dwell on that. We'll touch on it, but we won't dwell on it. But said's uh, one of the secret weapons now. You, uh, you. I thought you were going to have uh, a couple of uh, opportunities to throw the ball yesterday, but but uh, we will get into that. Um, I, I love these opportunities to help bring guys to three-dimensional life. I always like to say these players are human beings with uh, feelings and families, and they're not just robots with cages on their heads and <laughs> numbers on their shirts. And um, and said is one of the really inspirational players to me and one of the best stories that that doesn't get talked about a lot so just to catch people up really briefly for a minute um you were a captain at boise before the cowboys drafted you here you have fought back from injuries we'll get into that but you have really it seems like found your legs um this year you found your kind of your place and um, had a couple of great moments, and I'm wondering how individually and as a group uh, you you are dealing with a, the kind of season that absolutely no one had any idea was coming. Uh, I mean, personally, uh, I think I'm dealing with it pretty good. Just um, like you said, what I've been through, um, this isn't the lowest part I've ever been. So, um, and I feel like we're still still in it we're not where we want to be but we definitely can fight out of it and um as a group i mean it's definitely not what we had planned because i know um most of the guys in the receiver room um are back together again and just work together the whole off season with each other and then obviously with um four and andy um but not getting the chance to like play what we practice so i mean i think that's throwing the group off but um as an overall group i think we have uh like happy motivation going in um we're behind um ben as much as we can be and just letting them know that um we're there to make the plays for them so last night um there's no there's no getting around what poor ben danucci was going through babe loffenberg and i talked about it a lot on the broadcast 
he didn't have a preseason. He didn't right. have a, he didn't have OTAs. He did he never. You don't ever see a a guy like Ben who had, was a good college player thrown into a situation like that with as little preparation as uh, was available to him because of the pandemic, because of what we're all living with. So I would like to hear you talk about, and again, I consider you a leader because that's your history. So I'd like to hear you talk a little bit, if you don't mind, said about how you, as a group, as a receiver group, as an offense, uh, did you approach working with him? Look, he's not Dak. Everybody knows that, and and he's not Andy, and everybody knows that. So he's Ben. How did you how did you get around? How did you go about working with him, preparing yourself, trying to figure out what to expect, blocking all that other stuff out, and then go play the game? Uh, I mean, I think um, it was just a whole offensive thing, just um, knowing that injuries um, were starting to happen, and they happened fast. Um, so, I mean, we get to run reps with Ben, so it wasn't like I feel like we were totally out of whack. And um, like you said, I mean, he's a great quarterback. Um, he's just young, and I think that not having preseasons and not having training camps definitely um, didn't go in his favor because he would have been in there with a lot with us a lot more and like the reps that we were working with Dak at his home I'm sure Ben would have been there um, if we would have had that whole process going on and um, I feel like the offense we just get behind his back um, the best we can and none of us will ever be able to understand what he's going through because we don't play professional um, we don't play quarterback at a professional level so um I feel like the best thing we can do is do our job because we can't do his job for him. And um, if we keep doing our job, um, he's definitely going to step up and fulfill the role that he needs to. Well, you say that you don't all play professional quarterback, but you, you've had your, your uh, <laughs> couple of snaps um, as well. What, what was practice like leading up to that game uh, with Ben DiNucci? And, and how do you guys continue to have confidence moving forward, um, especially if he does start again uh, next week? Uh, I mean, I feel like we went in the practice um, just like every week. We just go in, um, I think day one, Wednesday, um, see what Kel's drawn up and where we're going to run that week. And then, um, like I said, you just go out there and do your job and everything else should fall in place. Um, definitely with the little gadgets that we had going in this week, practice was definitely much more fun. Obviously, I mean, the plays didn't go as planned in the, um, in the game, but um, I think Little spices like that in practice is definitely making it more fun with the outcomes of the games. And and that was really interesting to me that um, we had the triple reverse, we had the Wildcats, we had a couple of times. You were twice, right, trying to throw the ball? Am I right about that? Uh, yes, I definitely uh, was. And, and let me pause there for a minute. Now, do you, do, you have, do you ever play quarterback, high school, anywhere? Uh, yeah, I played it in high school. So, so that to me, uh, is the reason most times, you know, you'll see a, a guy who's not a quarterback get an opportunity to throw a pass. Running backs and a lot of wide receivers, baby, that ball's coming out. I don't care. If I get an opportunity to throw the ball, I am throwing the ball. And it would it would have to take someone who had played quarterback to understand, yeah, sometimes I don't really want to throw the ball if, if what I'm looking for is that. Did that help you? Did it help inform you uh, in that situation? Uh, I mean, yeah, definitely. I think uh, just going in the whole week, I feel like it was just make a smart decision with the ball. And um, I knew what look I was looking for. And if I didn't get it, I was either going to run or at least try to get back to the line of scrimmage um, if the D-line had like got through. So, um, I mean, I probably could have thrown the ball away, but I think on one of them I didn't actually get a chance to. So do you think anybody will come up to uh, – if Andy is, for instance, back this week, 
Uh, do you think any of y'all go up to Kevin and say, don't don't be afraid to stay with some of that stuff now. Some of that stuff can still work. Uh, I definitely hope we don't shy away from it because I um, definitely liked being back there a little bit. Um, definitely, like I said, I got to feel what Ben feels a little bit, but um, I definitely like to keep that in the playbook. And it worked uh, week five against the Giants when you had a touchdown pass to Dak Prescott. Uh, which of the two of you kept that game ball? I'm curious. Uh, he told me I can have it. Um, I told him he can have it. So um, whoever <laughs> locker pops up in, that's who's going to keep it. How did the uh, emotions compare to throwing a touchdown pass with catching a touchdown pass? Uh, I mean, I think it was just kind of like the same. It was kind of the same moment. Um, like, well, I just really caught a touchdown. Um, but definitely throwing it was definitely way more wild because, um, I mean, I haven't played quarterback since high school and never really thought I'd throw a professional touchdown. So when uh, let's go back to that one because that's one of my favorite plays. Tom Landry had that play all the time. There were a couple times in the 80s when Danny White caught touchdown passes uh, from running backs. They always did it with running backs. But, uh, but it's a great play, especially if you get an athletic quarterback like uh, mm-hmm. Dak. So that week, go back in your memory, said to that week, and when you saw that play, when they brought that one out, uh, did your eyes get big? Did you say, oh, yes, thank you very much? Or how, what did you do in practice that week? Uh, I mean, as crazy as it sounds, I like as soon as Kellen brought it up, um, obviously we both ran it at Boise way back when he played, and then I ran it also when I played. So when he called it, I kind of already knew it was definitely going to be either me running for a touchdown or Dak catching it for a touchdown. Did, did Kellen ever catch one at Boise? Uh, I'm not sure. I didn't. I haven't really watched much Kellen film. Well, I would have think that I'm going to say no because any quarterback who catches a touchdown pass in a game, you'd have heard about it, don't you think? Right. He, yeah. he would have told you about it. Sounds sounds about right. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So, um, how does how how did the approach, other than some of these wrinkles that we're talking about, with Ben? differ from the offense and the preparation uh, the last couple of weeks with uh, with Andy Dalton? And I'm trying to figure out if you are even thinking about what to expect this week. Uh, no, I mean, as receivers, I mean, I, I can't speak for the group, but for the most part, like enough for myself, um, I think we're just to run, run the route that is called and get open. And then it doesn't matter who's throwing the ball because you don't really look at who's throwing it. You're just looking at the ball come out of their hand. So I think for our job is definitely just run our route, catch the ball if it comes to us, block if it doesn't. Um, but I'm looking at the clock because I don't want to I don't want to push us over. We got our first break coming up. But um, I'm just going to remind folks, uh, Cedric Wilson drafted uh, in 2018 in the sixth round, shoulder injury in preseason, and I know the staff really was happy with the progress you were making, the old staff, you were making great progress as a rookie receiver, Um, and then you hurt your shoulder, that's out for the year. And then you finally got into uh, a half a dozen games last year and uh, get get some kick return work, and then a knee injury, and now you're on IR. When that happened last year, were you thinking, okay, what is the curse? Who cursed me? What's going on? When do I get to just go play? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was. I was just always wondering, like, why? I'm, like, what? Why me? Why am I getting hurt so much? But um, I mean, and I feel like I'm a very strong in my faith, and I feel like everything happens for a reason. So um, when it happened, I mean, there's only two things you can do: you can either dwell on it, or I mean, get up and go to rehab. So I feel like that was my only choice was to rehab and get ready. Um, to get back for my next opportunity. 
And uh, producer Chris Beam just whispered in my ear that Kellen Moore had one touchdown reception for seven yards <laughs> when he was at Boise. So there's something else for you to talk about when, uh, when you see him again on Wednesday. All right, we're going to take a break. Uh, Cowboys receiver Cedric Wilson is our guest on the Cowboys Hour this evening. And we thank you all very much for being with us. We are brought to you in part uh, by Albertsons. When it comes time to shop for tailgate favorites, go to Albertsons and Tom Thumb. Get 10% off your groceries every Dallas Cowboys game day when you wear your Cowboys jersey. Albertsons and Tom Thumb, the official supermarket and pharmacy of the Dallas Cowboys. And by Lou Casey, the official bootmaker of the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders. We'll be right back with Cedric Wilson on the Cowboys Hour. Light Cowboys Hour, supported by Albertsons and Omni Hotels and Resorts. 
Welcome back. It's the Dallas Cowboys Hour. Brad Sham, Danny Sarek, our special guest tonight, Cowboys receiver Cedric Wilson. Sometimes people want to know, what do you guys do, talk about during the breaks? And sometimes we... <laughs> Don't 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 look at me like that. No, because every time you tell a story, it's always something that I said. <laughs> so tell tell them what we talked about, Brad. I mean, hey, I'm not gonna tell what we talked about, but no, I'll I, let you. I, I I am. I just want you to defend me. Two weeks ago, when Blake Jarwin was sitting in that chair and was mm-hmm. our guest, and it was approaching Halloween, and Danny made a specific point of looking forward to. Pre-Halloween, drop by and pick up pumpkins, pumpkins, festive, decorative pumpkins. I did. How am I doing so far? You, you're very accurate. Okay. You can continue. You okay. And during the break, uh, our, our director of technical wizardry, Ted Nichols-Payne, asked, because we care about you as a person, how did it go with the pumpkin? And Danny then gave us a look. I did. Yeah. I think there's probably no guy who's ever been or will be in your life who wants that look. That's what I'm guessing. Uh, yes, that is also true. So far, everything you said has been accurate. I've been, I'm telling the truth and accurately reporting, right? <laughs> yeah. So I was hoping that no one was going to ask me about the pumpkins that I made such a big deal about wanting to get because I actually never made it to getting pumpkins this year, which makes me very sad. I like going to the pumpkin patch across my house. Um, after the show, I think I was just really tired and I just wanted to go home and go to bed. Sure. And then I just got lazy and then it kept raining. So I didn't want to go out in the rain. And then rain, by the rain for three days, it did, and then it was like one day that before Halloween. Like, it was like so. Three, then what was the point? Seven days in a week. <laughs> I'm going to put an alert in my phone though. October 1st of 2021. What you do with your pumpkins, pumpkins. is completely up to you. I just want to point out that Ted Nichols Payne asked very because we care about you as a person. Thank you. Did you get your pumpkins? And then yeah, the short answer is no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The rest is history. Said, mm-hmm. I'm really sorry you had to be exposed to that. Thing. It's okay. Thank you very much. Uh, does that remind you of anything in your life, by the way? Is it bring- Did you get pumpkins? Uh, no, nah, yeah, I got my pumpkins. Sure. <laughs> there you go. Sure, sure. He said, sure. Uh, okay, so um, uh, you mentioned uh, your faith as a source of your strength and inspiration and how you came back from injuries. Um, what you do for a living is really hard to do. And it requires gifts and a special skill set. Mm-hmm. So uh, I would love to hear you talk, if you don't mind, a little more about when you've had your second injury in two years and you're on the shelf. Um, and now, by the way, you're healed from the knee injury. Let's go. Let's get in the off season, and let's go. Oh, no, no, we won't have an off season. Okay, well, let's get to training, and no, we'll be sitting at home on a computer. Okay, fine. Um and here you are now finally, finally getting the opportunity and you're turning into the player that you always uh, knew that, that you would have an opportunity to be. But was there ever a time in there – I understand that you said things happen for what for, for a reason. Mm-hmm. But was there ever a time in there when you said, you know, maybe this is not what I'm supposed to be doing? Uh, as in me supposed to be doing football? No. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Yeah, I don't think that ever crossed my mind um, because, I mean, I've been doing it since I was 11, 12 years old. So, I mean, I feel like I would have gotten that sign a lot sooner if this wasn't what I was supposed to be doing. Um, but, I mean, the injuries, I just thought of maybe I'm not doing something the right way. 
And that's when I got a little closer in my faith. And then I also got a little bit more committed to like actually like lifting weights, trying to eat right up and down. Um, but just overall, like being in the process, I feel like just playing football my whole life is taught me that because um, I mean to most people that played it football will humble you very quickly and it will give you excitement and like it'll give you every emotion that you can have in your life literally in the one game um, so I feel like I just took that off the field mindset of all right let me just get back right because I'm not ready to work a regular job yet and <laughs> <laughs> this is um, this is a pretty good job and I'm still having fun doing what I'm um, supposed to be doing. Because of those injuries, this was really the first year you've had consistent opportunities. And in week three, right against Seattle, that was your, your breakout game. How reassuring was that of, okay, I feel good that I stuck this out. You know, I, I still have the talents and skills that they saw in me. I can do this. Uh, yeah, it was definitely um, fun to get the chance to get my hands on the ball and um, have that much open space. Um, but, I mean, it still didn't feel like as real, I feel like, because last year when I was watching um, other guys make plays, I mean, we got like a stands full of people, crowd, and then like I scored my first touchdown and it was silent. Uh, I mean, the best part, I mean, I heard all my teammates, so um, it wasn't too bad, but um, I feel like I still got more work to do. Well, I was going to ask about what it's like playing in front of those uh, empty places. Were, were there some? There were some fans last night in Philadelphia, right? Not a uh, lot. Yeah, it wasn't a lot, but there was. But uh, there have been obviously some uh, here at home in Arlington. So, is there anything in your experience that has prepared you for uh, L.A., Seattle, uh, for playing in in those empty places like that? It's got to be like the Twilight Zone. Uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like junior college, I don't think we had that many fans, <laughs> so, uh, I feel like about like around, probably like a couple hundred at the school probably came to the game, um, so, but definitely doesn't prepare you for an empty dome, because I mean, playing outside is definitely different compared to playing inside empty, so, um, LA was way more different than Seattle. But, um, I mean, that's just another obstacle we got to get through. I think Michael Gallup said that, too, with Juco, mm -hmm. about, like, it being quiet and not having fans of the games. Does that affect the way you guys are able to get into that game mindset and, and, and really start clicking if you don't have the fans to feed off of? Uh, I mean, yeah, like, the initial, like, butterflies, like, oh, you hear the crowd, everything, you hear the music. Uh, I mean, I feel like that's part of the reason, like, we love to play the game is that um, that adrenaline shock you get right before the game. And I think definitely without the fans, that definitely goes away. But um, after the first couple plays, football is football, and then you just get in your groove. How have – Danny mentioned your breakout game, um, and you've had some, some great moments already. It's clear you're a weapon. Um how how have you guys in your room, with all of that talent and I would say present company excluded, but wide receivers from time to time tend to be known as a little diva-ish. You know, they're great performers, like like great dancers or something like that. <laughs> Personalities. Now you seem about as normal as any wide receiver that as a person that I've ever met, and frankly. Uh, I think most of your room does. Like there's, to me, there's nothing over the top about CD, who we're still just getting to know. But the, you can get some drama sometimes from wide receivers. You guys don't seem to have any, and I'd like to know how how you have. Uh, MG certainly is not like that. Um, 
Oh, you laughed. Is that, does that mean he really is like that? No, no. Oh, I was okay, just saying, you, yeah, that's definitely him. Okay, good. Yeah, he's – so, I mean, how have you managed knowing there's only one football, only one of you can get it at a time? How, how have you managed to handle the egos and not get jealous and uh, be happy with how it's spread around? Uh, I mean, I think we just have a pretty new, unique group overall. Um, I mean, obviously – Coop being the veteran, like either like even with age or play, um, I mean I feel like we're more so learning from him, and then we all know like Coop's gonna get his get his play, so I feel like um, that helps him, and then me and Noah, I feel like we're both just like kind of like getting our feet in the door, so the little plays we do make, if it's a big deal to us, and um, I feel like you got to have those receivers in the room that are like hungry whenever their chance comes, and then um, Gallup, I feel like he's the big play guy, he's gonna. Um, make his spark plays um, even though he doesn't get it probably as much as he want to with the an act of a receiver um, he makes the big plays right when it goes to him and that sparks the team and then our young guy CD um, that's uh, he's just a ball guy I mean he came in here right off the bat making plays and I think he's definitely the dancer out of the group um, but being the younger younger <laughs> one with the younger generation but he's definitely the dancer in the group um, so I feel like we all just like play our roles perfectly fine and then we all get along as as the five and then Malik um also gets along with us even though he doesn't get many snaps um like as a receiver but he does his job on special teams and then he fits right in there with the group perfect you mentioned learning from Coop and we get to see I mean the dexterity the skill the route running everything that he brings to the table and since he's been here we've heard all the receivers say, you know, that you guys are watching him in practice and you're learning from him because he's so good at his job. I'm curious, what is how, how is he as a leader when you guys approach him for you know questions or tips? Because when, when we talk to him, he's very smart, very well smoking, a little more quiet. It seems a little more reserved sometimes. And Chooses so his words carefully. Yes. <laughs> yes. So so what how, how is he as a leader for you guys? Uh, no, we pretty uh, he's pretty much the same way. He doesn't I mean, he doesn't. Not a man of many words, but um, he's definitely going to go above and beyond to give you the answer you're looking for. And then if he can't really explain it, he's going to show you or walk you through it. Um, I'm sure you can catch him many times out there, giving a younger guy, like showing where his feet go, even some tight ends that if you ask him, he's going to show you. Um, so if it's anything worth learning and he knows it, he'll teach it to you. Um, and I feel like that's why he's a smart guy and a smart player. Um, of course, one, and we'll talk about this after our break, one of the things he's probably best known for is his route running. And I know that um, the receivers, coaches who have been here that you've worked with right up through now, that's something that's really stressed. I think fans would love to hear uh, when we come back about uh, how what the subtle differences are in route running in uh, college as opposed to the NFL. And we want to get into a, the background of Cedric Wilson a little bit. Really appreciate your being with us tonight, number 11. By the way, every now and then, you know, when you switch from 16 to 11, <laughs> that, why'd you do that? Uh, I wore one in college, so that's what I wanted, the ones for the sticks. It really threw me off. You know, that's, <laughs> that, that's not nice to play tricks on old people. Um, number 11, Cedric Wilson, a valuable member of this Cowboys team, our guest this evening on the Cowboys Hour. The Miller Lite Cowboys Hour.
Miller Lite Cowboys Hour, supported by Albertsons and Omni Hotels and Resorts. Welcome back. It's the Miller Lite Cowboys Hour. Brad Sham and Danny Sarek with our special guest Cowboys wide receiver uh, Cedric Wilson. I said we're going to talk about the, some of the nuances of pro football, and we'll do that in a minute, but I would like to get people caught up on Cedric Wilson a little bit. Um, you were an outstanding high school football player in Memphis, Tennessee, right? Yes, that is true. How, how do you how do you not go to Tennessee or Memphis or something like that? Uh, I mean, yeah, Tennessee was definitely uh, the dream school because, I mean, my dad played, both uncles played there, and um, I definitely wanted to go there. Um, but I think test scores didn't allow me to uh, get into those, like, any division ones right out of high school. So um, Coffeeville gave me a call, and, I mean, that was the only opportunity I had. So took it and ran with it. And then, um, I mean, I thought Tennessee would come, like, get me out of – Juco, but um, they went for another receiver. And uh, have we ever heard of him again, or does he disappeared from the face of the earth? Um, I, I don't know. I'm not sure. I, I don't. Really, I don't remember what his name was. There we go. There's the answer. But um, so I mean, I definitely wanted to go there, but um, Boise came and um, gave me a shot, and it definitely. As soon as I got out there, I loved the atmosphere of what they had going, and. I always felt like I feel like the further and further I got away from home, the more and more success I got. So I was like, why not take this opportunity? Interesting. And never looked back once I got to the blue. And now um, the blue, by the way, for those of you who don't know, refers to the <laughs> unusual playing field uh, at uh, at Boise, the blue turf. But you were a junior college All-America. So it wasn't like you just went to junior college and got your grades up. You okay. You did that and succeeded wildly on the football field. And did anybody in your family contact Tennessee before you went to Boise since that was where you wanted to go? Uh, no, I mean, I'm not sure. I mean, I don't really know what went all into recruiting um, now that I think about it. I feel like someone should have hit them up. Yeah, but, um, yeah. that's what but, I'm saying. No, <laughs> uh, nah, not that I know of. I just stuck with the offers that came through the door of the coaches. At what point did you make the switch to receiver? <laughs> I think about three weeks into camp before the season started at junior college. What so like what prompted that? Uh, I mean, as we see now, the quarterback position is a big role, and um, I played at the time. I played baseball too, so I was gonna um, try to do that at junior college as well. And I was like, okay, I can't play quarterback and try to play baseball. So I was like, receiver, I don't, I mean, I'll know the playbook just because I play quarterback and I can play baseball as well. But I mean, it's the first year I switched, I think I was like two yards shy of a thousand. And my coach was like, you're good at this, so you might want to stick it out. And so I never even went out to baseball. What position did you play in baseball? Uh, short, shortstop. Could you hit a curveball, said? Uh, I definitely hit a curveball. My problem was not hitting it on the ground. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Because so, you probably could have beat out some infield hits. Definitely. I definitely beat out a few in high school. Uh, and are you still a baseball fan? Uh, uh, the crazy part about it, I've never been a really big sports fan of like a, actually watching sports, period. Um, but definitely like to play it. I could still, if I, if I could still play it, I definitely would. Now, just in case folks don't know this also, your dad played for the Tennessee Titans for what, eight years? No, no, he played, uh, he got drafted by the Niners and then his second contract was with the Steelers. 
Okay, I thought he played with the Titans, but he play, but he played in the NFL for quite a while. Yes, and mm-hmm. and that didn't make you a football fan. Uh, I mean, I think I was around it so much that I didn't really get a chance to be a fan. It was just life. It was just like another way of work. That's what it looked like. Your dad won a ring with the Steelers, right? XL Super Bowl. Yep. So, who is he cheering for this coming weekend? Um. Because that's who you guys are playing. Probably, yeah, he'd probably uh, cheer for me and um, for his team. <laughs> <laughs> and for his team, which is not, which is not this team. But right. we understand that. We understand that. Um, it's interesting to me the number of uh, professional football players that you can find who um, don't really enjoy watching professional football. Because as fans, mm-hmm. we kind of t- – we do. We like watching it, so we just kind of assume that anybody – Working in it must surely like it too, but you—that's not what you're doing on a on a Saturday afternoon or. A, a uh, no, I'll definitely. I'll watch some college football. Um, probably majority of Boise or like people that I know. Um, but yeah, not not big on watching sports. Not definitely not on TV. I'll go to some games though. Interesting about the Boise culture to me. Obviously, it's been it's been quite a source of of uh, enriching uh, talent and personalities for this club. Tyrone Crawford and Demarcus Lawrence and uh, you and and Layton and Kellen uh, and Kellen. I was yeah. getting to Kellen. I was getting to Kellen. Um, and and I have a very do. Do you know Bob Beeler? Yes. Yes. So yes, Bob Bob Beeler is the play-by-play announcer for uh, mm-hmm. Boise, and uh, Bob and I have been friends for 30 years, and we, we used to do some work together on the NCAA basketball network. So, uh, folks should know that once you have success at Boise, mm-hmm. they they love you forever, don't they? Oh uh, yes, they love you forever. Any type of success, Boise definitely bleeds blue the whole city. So what? Now that's a different kind of a social culture from Tennessee to Idaho, isn't it? What was that like? Uh, I understand you had Juco in the middle, but... Right. Uh, Yeah, no, because Juco is definitely, like I feel like, a similar culture to back home in Mm -hmm. Memphis. Um, So, yeah, when I got out to Boise, um, definitely was a culture shock. Um, To tell the truth, I definitely wanted to go to home for, like, the first three weeks. (laughs) I wanted to go home every day. Like, I got on the phone with my mom, and I was... Just like I'm ready to come home, and she was like, "Well, no, you chose to go all the way out there, so you got to stick it out." And um, once I got around, like to actually communicating, because people don't know, people from the East Coast and the West Coast are two different people. So um, I met some of my greatest friends out there, though, that I'm still friends with today. And once that happened, um, everything was cool. I didn't didn't know that everyone was so nice there. It was confusing to me because I was like, "This ain't like this back at home." <laughs> but so and you, so you're you're a blue Bronco for life now. Now, aren't you? Oh uh, yeah, I'm a Boise State Bronco forever. Was there any kind of difference of having to play in like true cold when you went there? Uh, I think no. I think the coldest time I had out there was probably in practice. Um, we had I think the year before I got there, they played like a game at like six degrees. But I got blessed both for years I was there. Wow. Yeah. And then what was it like um, getting drafted with? Was Leighton a co-captain with you? Uh, yes, we both were captains. Um, it was well when I saw him going to first, I was happy for him, and I was like, I was just texting him like I told you that you could do it way back when we was at practice. Um, and then when I got the call from the same team, um, it was just wild. One because half my family members are Cowboys fans, so 
um, that was definitely a big part of it. Um, but then just seeing him once we actually both got here was still kind of surreal. All right, tell us about the half of your family being Cowboys. I, I love hearing these stories because <laughs> it's guys who are not from here. And in your, in your case, your dad played for two other teams. But, right. uh, but there's always, invariably, there's somehow family members who grew up following the Cowboys and, and in some cases really loving them. What's what's the story of that in your family? Uh, I mean, I just, ever since I was little, um, uncles, aunts, it was one side of the family. I feel like at one time before I was born or before my dad got drafted, I feel like everyone was Cowboy fans and um, some stuck it out and as soon as my dad got drafted, I feel like half the family flipped to Niners fans. So as you know, <laughs> that, that um, tradition of Niners versus Cowboys so that was a big line in the family and I feel like that just made the com- competitive spirit in the house go crazy when those two teams played. So uh, I guess it's probably different now with COVID but like did a lot of your families come to games and stuff being big Cowboys fans do they come travel to, to watch you in Arlington? Um, the ones that can make it uh, I think a couple have came to a game so far I know um, the house of them are trying to come for the Niners game <laughs> So we'll see how that goes. Um, so um, before we take our next break, since you're not spending a lot of time uh, watching football and baseball, get basketball games. You watch basketball? Uh, I definitely can watch basketball. Um, the bubble thing was pretty cool watching actually this year. So I can definitely watch basketball. And and pro or college? What do you like? I'm just trying to figure uh, out what you're doing in your spare time to to relax and get away from stuff. Oh. Um, I'm a video game guy. If I'm a how did I know that? Was <laughs> how did I know video that? Video game, Netflix. So, so Blake Jarwin was trying to get uh, encouraged, not get encouraged, mm-hmm. Danny to uh, get involved. Oh, it was Antoine? It wasn't Blake. It was Antoine. That's exactly right. And, <laughs> and have you done that yet? He challenged me for background. He challenged me to um, Call of Duty mm-hmm. Warzone. I think is is what he plays. Um, and we were saying that, you know, Brad and I aren't very knowledgeable about the gaming world. And Antoine basically said that he would think that I would be as good at Call of Duty as his four-year-old son. Mm. And so I took that as a challenge, <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't think you took that as a compliment. No, you? I did not. Yeah. Um, I'm already in talks, actually, with my brother-in-law, who has Call of Duty. And he has told me he's going to teach me how to play so that I can join their Group. Yeah. Anytime someone says they're in talks with someone to do something, now we've taken it. We've everything has escalated. And this is not like the pumpkins. I will follow. No, through. I believe. I totally believe you because I know how competitive you are. <laughs> Cedric Wilson's our guest on the Cowboys Hour this evening. The Miller Lite Cowboys Hour brought to you in part by Omni Hotels and Resorts. This fall, do more than just stay apart. Stay a part of the game and stay a part of the Cowboys. Experience football season at Omni Frisco Hotel, the official hotel of the Dallas Cowboys, and enjoy all the dining and entertainment options the star has to offer. Back with Cedric Wilson on the Cowboys Hour right after this.
to the Miller Lite Cowboys Hour, supported by Albertsons and Omni Hotels and Resorts. Welcome back, Brad Sham and Danny Sarek with our special guest, Cowboys receiver Cedric Wilson, on the Cowboys Hour this evening. And and uh, so tomorrow's a day off, and you got home at 4-ish in the morning, landed about that time, home a little bit later. So when you have a schedule like that, said, what will you do with a day off? Uh, I mean, I'll probably just keep it the same because well, the three hour, I think we had like close to like a three hour flight. So that was a good three hours of sleep right there. So I don't feel like I'm too behind on sleep. <clears throat> Excuse me. But um, I think same schedule. I'm going to wake up, come obviously get swabbed for COVID every, like we do every day and um, go get some treatment done and then probably just chill at the house. So if you're not watching sports, what are you doing to relax? Is it just video games mostly? Uh, mostly video games or um, just chilling, listening to music or um, hanging out with like Gallup or something, just chilling at one another's house because obviously we can't go anywhere. Yeah. I did hear Netflix though before. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Netflix. What are we hot on on Netflix? Uh, I'm big on any action movie so i will literally get on even though i mean netflix movies are pretty much the same i feel like i've gotten close <laughs> to watching every action movie on there but somehow i always find one good one and usually i can watch probably like two movies in a day oh wow and, and <laughs> series you like do you like to binge a series or is that during the season there's no um, no i don't really like binging binge watching anything i like to know the duration of what i'm about to watch so i can get it done okay good to know Good to know. I'm pretty much the complete opposite. <laughs> You're a binger? Yeah, I am. I like a movie every now and then. What are you, what are you binging? Um, I don't know if you and Cedric have a future together. What's your, what are you binging? <laughs> well, my classic on Netflix, well, for now, is The Office. Die uh, Hard that's Office a good fan. One. Yes. The British one or the Steve Carell? No, Steve Carell. Steve Carell. Um, and right now I'm actually almost done with The Americans on oh. FX, which is... No, the Americans is not on Netflix. No, it's not. It's on FX. Yes. Well, through Amazon. Oh, I, I'm sorry you brought that up, and we'll have to finish that conversation off the oh, air. Oh, it's so good. I never saw. You ever watch the Americans? Uh, I have not. Oh, I've if never you heard like drama. Oh, I guess you say like action. It, it's it, it it the series went off the air in 2018, something like that. It was on for six years, and I'd always been interested in. I love political intrigue and that kind of stuff. Mm. And I said, you know, during the first part of the lockdown, I said, I'm going to try that. Oh, it's six years. It's six years of 13 episodes at 48 mm. minutes each. <laughs> and I'm almost done. I've got just like the last two or three. I got completely hooked. Uh, nobody cares. But since you brought it up. <laughs> I care. So, thank you, Danny. Thank you. Said, I want to go back to a couple of things we were talking about before. One of them special teams. Um, you were talking about Malik and, and his role, but that's that's been an avenue for you to get in also. And you have covered uh, kicks, and you've returned both punts and kickoffs. Um, when did you start playing special teams, and did you do you have to like it? Do you have to learn to like that part of the game? Uh, I mean, I did. I think I probably returned one or two kicks at junior college, and then probably – like a handful at Boise, but I didn't really start playing special teams until I got here. And, um, I mean, 
it's just I, all the positions I've been in is catch the ball, run with the ball. So that came pretty easy. Um, and they give me, I met Gunner a couple of reps and still haven't made a tackle yet. So I'm interested to see that would be my first tackle. And I think since high school. So um, when I get that chance, um, definitely ready to see how that goes. So I'm guessing you were one of those guys who would much rather avoid tacklers than try to tackle someone. Yes, I've never been big on taking the aggression to someone and <laughs> being the defensive guy. Yeah, you're an artist. I, we understand. Uh, we totally understand. Uh, it's intriguing to me the way that um, you and C.D. Lamb will switch out on punt returns, and this happened a little bit last year. Also, um, how do they decide that? Is it like if if we want a game breaker, we're putting CD back there, and if that's the case, wait a minute, what is said? Am I chopped liver? I don't <laughs> think I can run with the ball. Uh, no, I think it's it's set up. It's like two different um, punt return styles. I go in on a certain. Um, pr- pr- Mostly when we pass the 50, when they're past the 50, and like a sky ball situation or decision making. And then CD, obviously, um, he's doing more of the open field running um, part of it. How would you describe special teams coordinator John Fossil? Uh, coach Bones, man, he's one of a kind. Um, he brings, I think, pretty much more energy than any player or coach can in the whole facility. And then um, he makes special teams fun because, I mean, most people think it's a transition, but um, he has guys actually want to be on special teams. Like, that's my primary job. And I feel like when you get a guy like that um, on the staff, also as coaching pl- young players and keeping things fun, um, you're always going to have the attention no matter, like, how good or bad the season's going. And I think it was Joe Thomas last week who told us um, uh, fr- Friday, fr- Friday Jays. What is he called? Sat- Saturday. Saturdays. <laughs> where everyone wear. Yes. Okay. So, um, in your opinion, who has the best shoes? Um, like speaking Jays, um, I'm not sure, but like shoe wise, probably Malik. Actually, Malik Turner, we talk about him. I feel like he's, I don't, I don't think I've seen him wear the same pair of shoes once. Joe told us he liked um, Dorrance Armstrong's Jays. Uh, DA definitely has a um, couple of good pair of Jays. So I'm ready to see who repeats. Um, I, I, want, I, want to, uh, I want to go back to this special teams thing because the, uh, no matter how long I do this, I don't think you, there's ever a, a time that you know or can anticipate everything that's going to happen in special teams. So last night, uh, when you took the intentional safety with the intention then of trying to recover an onside kick an easier way, I thought it was great strategy. It doesn't always work, but I thought the thinking behind it was really great. Um, when when they said this is what we're doing, did everybody uh, on special teams understand what was going on at first? Um, I mean, I'm sure the people that were like in the huddle that was on the kickoff team, everyone else was on the sideline. Um, one didn't even know that Greg was about to punt the ball. <laughs> but like usually, you just not you're not thinking about it. Okay, Chris is about to punt it down, and they're about to kneel it or whatever they're going to do. So we saw the ball go up. Then everybody's looking up, and then saw the ball bounce and. We're like, oh, we didn't, and then found out it was actually on purpose. I didn't really know it was on purpose. I thought it was like an accident, but um, the way that, like I said, Coach Bones drew that up, I don't feel like you have many people drawing stuff up like that. No, and and frankly, when 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 the first part of the decision is the election of 
taking the safety mm-hmm. by snapping the ball out of the back of the end zone. Did everybody know what was going on when that happened? Uh, yeah, we definitely did. Um, we um, Coach Bones is actually in charge of all situations like that. Um, anything that has to do like that in the game, and we always we always go over it. So when that part happened, no one was confused. Okay, let's talk about route running. Um, I'm I'm fascinated by that part of it too because I think people. Uh, including most of the people in our business, don't have a real appreciation for what an art form that is. When did you really start to learn about route running, and how different was it from college to the NFL? I think I started learning like the actual detail of it when I got to Boise. Um, my first coach there, Junior Adams, um, just broke it down to us of – how we how we need to stop, um, how we need to take off to get ready to stop, and when and where to put your feet and all that. And then my second year, Eric Keesaw came in and taught taught us more route running. But then he taught us the overall gist of things, like looking at, actually looking at coverage, where maybe if I run a curl on this play, I need to break down hard and come out of it. But if I look and see its zone, okay, then I don't have to take that much time at the top of it because the ball is going to be on me as soon as I turn around. So I feel like both of those combinations definitely gave me a chance to actually appreciate route running, also playing the art of receiver. And then um, getting to the NFL, I feel like you just you have the tools you're going to have, but you learn from your coaches, you learn from other guys, and just add to your tool bank. And having Coop is definitely was definitely a big part of seeing um, route running from one of the best in the game. See, I love to hear this stuff because – People think we just line up and run out seven steps and turn around. (laughs) And what Cedric is telling us here is what a science this this actually is. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but in your rookie uh, mini camps in the spring, uh, Sanjay Lal was your receivers coach then, and he was kind of on you about the way you were finishing off and coming out of some breaks and things. Am I right about that? Uh, Yeah, he was big on because my strides were so long, and I thought I could just keep running with the full stride length until the top of the route, and I feel like that was making me drift a lot. Um, So I definitely had to work on like the last three or four yards before actually stopping. How helpful has this new coaching staff, uh, Adam Henry, how, how instrumental have they been for your growth this year? Uh, definitely coach um, he definitely helps a lot and catching like eyes on the ball like you're not going to catch anything you can't see and then um, quick quick drills because I feel like that's a big problem that I had of being quick with my fleet feet and um, we do that every day in individuals with um, cone drills and he just brought that like college aspect of the learning he brought that to the NFL and we're like we learn every day and uh, what kinds of things can you get from from Amari Cooper? I mean, everybody is different in the way they run routes, but he really is. I mean, he's well known as one of the very best route runners in the league. What makes him that way? We got about a minute left. What makes him that way? And what uh, what can somebody else who's not Amari Cooper take from practicing with him and watching that happen every day? Uh, I feel like he has a great understanding of where he's trying to go and how to get the defensive player to think that he's going somewhere else and um i know for me he has he has way better ankles than i do so um when he's moving full speed in one direction and is able to stop and go another one uh, i'm just asking like how are you doing that and he was like you just got to trust it um put your foot in the ground and just know that your body's going to take you that way and um when we were at dak's house a lot this off season he was like just trust it just trust it so um 
I feel like I trusted a lot more of just throwing my foot in the ground and going the other way because, um, I mean, I've had ankle problems in the past. Well, said all the hard work is paying off. It's really, <laughs> it's really gratifying and fun to see how hard you've worked to uh, get healthy and become the player you are now. And the best part is we all know you're even going to just keep on getting better. Thank you very much for the time tonight, and good luck the rest of the season. Thank you all for having me. There is Cedric Wilson. She's Danny Sarek. I'm Brad Sham. Thanks for joining us on the Cowboys Hour. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys?